welcome to another episode of Wind Up. Now this week, I've assembled the guest list that includes a sophomore IndyCar driver that has snared three victories this season as part of Team Penske's three-car juggernaut. He is Scott McLaughlin, who dominated the Australian Supercar Series prior to joining Penske's IndyCar effort. I think you'll enjoy Scott's review of his season, how he gained confidence, and overcame rookie jitters to establish himself this season as one of the top dogs in IndyCar. This week's advanced auto parts victory lap is going to be a little bit of a departure from our normal short tracker guests. After spending a lifetime behind the wheel that included two Xfinity championships, Randy LaJoy has been at the forefront of safety and has revolutionized the design and manufacture of racing seats. And along the way, is credited with saving thousands of short track drivers from serious injury and even death. You don't want to miss Randy's freewheeling and honest recounting of his journey. And with the NASCAR playoffs underway, Jeff Burton drops in and we break down the 16 driver player roster. And with the NASCAR playoffs for the Cup Series underway, Jeff Burton will drop by and we'll break down the 16 driver playoff roster. Darlington proved to be unkind to a number of playoff drivers and saw a non-playoff winner take an iconic number back to Darlington's victory lane. Burton and I will react to that win, as well as what seems to be an undercurrent of discontent regarding some issues with the next-gen car. Those are our guests, and in a moment, we'll get you up to speed on last week's action. Welcome inside the wind tunnel. Welcome inside the Wind Tunnel, your podcast home for motorsports conversation. Jackaroots Wind Tunnel. Wind Tunnel is brought to you by Advance Auto Parts, the official auto parts retailer of NASCAR. Here's your host, Jackaroot. Thanks, Lenny. Speaking of Darlington, let's start this week's racing action right there. The Xfinity Series is the one remaining NASCAR Premier Series not into their playoffs yet. But at Darlington, that didn't stop them from lighting up the place. Creed retains the lead, coming to two to go here. What can Larson mount? But Larson now saw what Creed is willing to do. Kyle Larson is the champ of the Cup Series. He knows what he's trying to do here, and now I think he has a plan. Kyle Larson in the blue and white 17. He's going for a win. Sheldon Creed is going to get into the playoffs with a win here. Looking at the low side, Larson can't do it. This will be big momentum for that nine car. Noah Gregson has rejoined the front two. Coming to the white flag, Sheldon Creed still has the lead. One lap to go, a lap car in between. And now Kyle Larson looks to the inside. He'll take the point. Oh, there's a lot of contact on one and two. And now Larson readies the car again. Creed off of the corner. Can Sheldon Creed hang on? His win would take him into the playoffs. Watch Noah Gregson right here. The nine looking low. Noah Gregson to the goal side. And Creed, he pulls the video game move. He's in the wall. Can he keep the front line? Here comes Noah Gregson. Creed cannot do it. And Gregson will win at Darlington. All you fans, was that cool? Did we put on the show for you guys? They seemed to like it. Sheldon Creed was really fast. And um, really all the JRM cars, Justin Allgaier and, and Kyle Larson. Kyle came on strong there at the end. And I watched during that rain delay him running the top. And 
one and two, and I knew there was a lot of speed there, so I went up there and I, I found something, and, and Sheldon pinched me off, and 17 got by me, and then it was uh, like three to go, and I was like, oh, they're going to get into each other racing too hard. The, the two, he's got nothing to lose. He was racing his tail off, and, and Kyle's going for a win, but um, man, just so excited. This is We won this race here last year, and then uh, we put on one hell of a show for the fans. So, As I said earlier, Sunday Southern 500 kicked off the Cup Series playoff battle. And the track too tough to tame? Well, let's just say it lived up to its name. Great corner by that 43 of Eric Jones. Great corner. He's got lap traffic in front of him. One lap to go. Can Hamlin do it? Just a half a lap remaining. The lap traffic's getting way out of the way here. Eric Jones pulls away on the back straightaway. Denny deep into turn three. What will he try to do? Denny Hamlin up to the back bumper. But the 43 of Eric Jones comes out of turn number four. Jones is going to win the Southern 500. That is the 200th win for the 43. The 19 looked to be the strongest car with 100 laps to go. A power steering issue, a belt issue, takes him out. The 18 blows an engine. And who's in the right place? Eric Jones of the 43 to grab his third career Cup Series win. Just awesome. Just so proud of these guys. Betty GMS, the Focus Backer crew. Uh, man, we've been so close here and there all year. And I didn't think today was going to be the day. You know, it was going to be a tough one to win, I knew. But no better fitting place, man. I love this track. I love this race. And on that trophy twice, man. I was pumped to be on it once, but have it on there twice, pretty cool. IndyCar was back in action in their next-to-last event of their season when they took their tight championship battle to the Pacific Northwest and Portland International Raceway. And one of this week's guests kept himself in the playoff battle with a dominating pole to checkered flag performance. Scott McLaughlin got the pole in dominant fashion yesterday. Scott McLaughlin wins the Grand Prix of Portland for his third career win. And the 33s will celebrate tonight. 104 of the 110 laps led. That was McLaughlin's day. We did exactly what we needed to do this weekend, and that was win and get max points and keep ourselves in the fight. Yeah, we're a long shot. I don't care, but we're a shot, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. IndyCar will crown their champion following this weekend's final event at Laguna Seca. The Labor Day holiday begins the winding down of weekly racing in many parts of the country. But the battle for the Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Series National Championship is still underway. And a number of track titles are still up for grabs. To get you up to speed there, we turn to the Performance Racing Network's Lenny Baticki. Thanks a lot, Jack. This is your NASCAR Advance Auto Parts Weekly Racing Series Report. We'll start at beautiful Alaska Raceway Park. John Clayham victorious there. Barry Audi back at Victory Lane at Jennerstown, Pennsylvania. The same for Craig Van Doren at Grandview. Once again, a winner at Kingsport, Tennessee, Chris Van Dyke. Jason Wolcott gets the checkers at Irwindale, California. South Boston, Virginia, Battle of Titans. Peyton Sellers wins both races. Lane Riggs crowned track champion. Riley Music the 
winner at Langley Speedway, New Smyrna Speedway in Florida to Jared Corpy, Richie Johnson victorious at Seacock, Massachusetts, Tucson, Arizona, where Bill Engel got the victory, Andrew Scheid and Evan Shotko victorious at Michigan's Berlin Raceway, Colorado National to Dan Alama, Chad Lawrence wins at Eastbound Park in Canada, while at Autodrome Granby, it is David A. Bear. Elko, Minnesota, Jeremy Wolf and Chad Whalen split the victories. Monadnock Speedway in New Hampshire to Ben Byrne. Austin Erickson, a winner at Hudson. And at Claremont, it's Ricky Bly. Brad Bergrid wins at Corning, Iowa's Adams County Speedway. While at Coos Bay in Oregon, it's Lauren McIntyre. Dylan Sepion, victorious at Riverhead Raceway in New York. Evergreen Speedway in Washington to Bruce Pendergrass. Matt Cox and Bryant Barnhill, both winners at Timmonsville, South Carolina's Florence Motor Speedway. Hickory Motor Speedway in North Carolina to Ryan Milliken and Blaze Brinkley and Zach Mark split the checkers at Wake County in Raleigh. That's your NASCAR Advance Auto Parts Weekly Racing Series report. Thanks for having us, Jack. Have a fantastic week. This week's guests are waiting in the wings. First up this week, they call him the mayor. NBC's Jeff Burton is up first with his take on the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. Stay right there, because he's next. Hey, car lovers. At Advance Auto Parts, we have what you need to keep your car running all season long. So if you enjoy getting ahead of the curve when it comes to taking care of your ride, Advance Auto Parts has everything to keep your ride on track to reach the victory lap. Because you can trust the team at Advance Auto Parts to assist you in finding what you need at the right price. Stop by Advance Auto Parts, where you're always number one. This is how we advance. Welcome back to your podcast home for motorsports conversation. Jackaroots Wind Tunnel. When I booked my next guest, it was just before Darlington. And the idea was to visit with Jeff Burton, a.k.a. the mayor, and handicap the 16-car field. But then, Burton, Darlington just comes at us full force and KOs all of the conventional wisdom for handicapping the playoff drivers. It's diabolical to put Darlington as the first race of the playoffs. I mean, it is, it's a track that... It, you know, in and of itself, the Southern 500 is such a huge race. It has so much history. Uh, it means a ton to win the Southern 500. And then you make it race one of the playoffs. And, uh, you know, when they, when they put this schedule together, they did it for a reason. <laughs> and it was all that we were afraid it was going to be in regard to, uh, you know, just complete you know, we keep using the word chaos, but that's the word. And, and, um, you know, you had good cars that ran well, that didn't finish well. You had cars. I mean, it was all over the place and what a great race. What a great way to start the, the playoffs. And yeah, there's some people that have work to do. And there's some other people that are like, Hey, that was, that was a good start. We'll take that. What was your thoughts first? And there were, there was a gamut of emotions and roller coaster moments, but the, the regular season point leader, ends up finishing last, uh, pulls off early in the race. Then it seems as if nobody really wanted to be the leader because then your car would crap out. And speaking of crap, what was your response to Kevin Harvick's fire 
and the way that he was pretty outspoken uh, referring to um, what he thought were, I'll use the term, crappy parts that are part of this next-gen car. Back at Darlington Raceway, about to be 85 laps to go here in the race. Kevin Harvick has made his way to the garage area. Man, that looked like a scary fire. Any idea what led to that, Kevin? I'm sure it's just the crappy parts on the race car like we've seen so many times. We haven't fixed anything. It's kind of like the safety stuff. We just let it keep going and keep going, and the car started burning. Um, and as it burned, you know, the flames started coming through the dash, and I ran a couple laps, and then... You know, as the flame got bigger and then it started burning stuff up, and I think right there you see all the all the brake fluid that was probably coming out of the brakes. It burned the brake line, but the, the fire was coming through the dash. So That's scary. What a, what a disaster, man. No no reason. We didn't touch the wall. We didn't touch the car, and, and here we are in the pits with a burned-up car and can't finish the race during the playoffs because of crappy-ass parts. Well, listen, I mean, obviously, Kevin has every reason and right to be upset. I mean, you know, they they – have a they were having a good night uh not a great night but a good night a steady night and that's okay and in, in in the first round of the playoffs and they had it you know it got taken away from them not by something they did wrong but by something that uh by rules they were forced to do so you know why wouldn't he be upset and and it is it is very uh very discouraging to to go into the playoffs knowing how important points are doing what you need to do in round one and then have something happen that has happened to other people before. Right. And then, and it not be fixed. So, so he, why shouldn't it be mad? He should be mad. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, I don't blame him. I think, you know, and not only, not to be honest with you, it affected other people too. That happened in the middle of a pit sequence and it caught some people off. It helped some other people. So it, that impacted a lot. And, uh, yeah, I think the industry in itself, you know, including NASCAR, uh, was upset about it, frustrated about it, and needing to get it fixed. There's a lot, of, uh, there's a lot that's happened since Darlington, and uh, there's, some, there's some changes that are underway that will happen before Kansas for sure. Um, and uh, it needs to. I mean, it needs to happen. It needs to get fixed. This is something – I mean, overall – you know, we can't forget that overall the next-gen car has been pretty low on failures. I mean, you think about it, this is a brand-new car, and there's not been that many occasions. I don't think the DNF rate is any higher than it would have been last year. I don't see where we've had, you know, major issues, but the issues that we have are real, and they've got to get fixed. And, and uh, you know, it requires immediate attention and immediate changes to to get those so they don't happen again we knew there would be things right we didn't know what they would be but the only common sense can tell you that when you change as many things as got changed something was going to happen uh we just don't you know we'd much rather it be something other than involving safety right and we much rather it be that so it's got to get addressed it is being addressed uh, but to Kevin's point, uh, not as quick as we, we, we the whole industry would have liked it to be. How much behind the eight ball does that fire put Kevin Harvick in his hopes to do what's necessary to move to the round of 12? Well, they're just not afforded any more things to happen. That's the issue. Like, I, I think they're if everything goes as it should go, I think they'll be fine. Uh, the problem is they don't have a cushion any longer. So on a night where other people were having trouble, had you just been able to do your job 
even if you didn't have to win it, you could run 10th, which is really hard to do to run 10th. But if you ran 10th on that night, came out of there looking pretty good. And they were on track to do that and, and, or better than 10th, but in a, you know, and that got taken away from them. So no matter what Jack, you know, Chase said, Hey, I wrecked. Well, that's on him. And although he may not sleep at night, he can fix that. When you're Harvick, what could they have done? That's what's so frustrating about it. And, and again, I, 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 it's being addressed. It's just that, you know, it needed to be addressed a little sooner. So, Based upon what we saw in round one with Kansas coming up this weekend, do you re-bracket? Do you re-handicap uh, who you think will move on and who is in, in danger? Or is it still pretty much holding chalk for Jeff Burton as far as what he thought before Darlington? Well, when I made my picks, I knew that I was probably wrong because this year has been like no other year. Uh, all I could do, all I, any of us can do is look and say, okay, these are the teams that I think are running the best. And these are the teams that I think I can trust and drivers I think I can trust in these moments. And then, it, you know, you throw them in the, you throw them in the basket and spin them around and see what happens. I mean, this year is crazy. And I don't know why that's going to change. I don't know why going to Kansas we should expect anything other than what we've been getting. I mean, what we've been getting is not the anomaly. It's now the normal. So it's not just about speed. It's not just about all the things that we historically have been able to look at. Now there's things that the intangibles, can you finish the damn race? Can you, I mean, you know, we see teams that go somewhere and run fifth and then go the next week and run 25th. I mean, so I don't know why any of that's going to change. Um, it's the hard, in my opinion, it's the hardest uh, season to handicap than, than and, 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 and probably, I don't want to say in our history because mechanical failures were so much more prevalent, you know, in the 60s and 70s. Uh, but, but outside of that, I think that this is probably, the, in, my, in the history that I've been watching a race, the sport, uh, probably the most difficult to handicap. So is it safe to say that still the conventional approach is in round one, do what's necessary. You don't need to win. What you need to do is just get gather enough stage points and have a finishing position so that you're not the bottom, uh, the bottom four. It's the old joke. You know, you don't need to be the fastest guy in the group when the bears chasing, you only need to be the second fastest uh, and then transition to a different mindset for you know the second round and then move to the third round and really by the third round it's just win baby well that looks good on paper but how do you do that so so that's the thing like let's think about um let's think about what makes each team as good as they are so kevin harvick and rodney childers over the last couple of years they've not had the speed that we're accustomed to seeing they're grinders they grind their way through that works good for them. But does that work for a Kyle Larson? Does that work for, you know, a Chase Elliott? Does that work for guys that right now are going fast? Like, in order to play that strategy, they got to back themselves up just a little bit. Well, when you back yourself up a little bit, now you're not playing your game. Now you're not doing what it is that makes you what you do well. It would have suited me great. Like, round one, man, give me some of that. But that last round, that would have been difficult for me. So if you try to get out of character, 
that's where you make mistakes. That's where you have problems. And so if you're a team that attacks, you need to keep attacking. If you're a team that grinds, you need to keep grinding. You need to do what you do best until you're facing a situation that that's not going to work, right? That's no longer going to work. So, and we've seen those moments. We've seen those moments where you got to win and they do. And those are awesome moments. Those are step up moments. Those moments where you just do what you do and you grind finishes or you do whatever you do. Those are less glamorous, but they're effective. But it's very difficult to change what you do well to suit a condition. That's when quarterbacks throw interceptions late in the game, right? I got to throw this ball. There's only a little bit of time left. I got to put it in there. Boom, interception. That's what happens. You're forced to do something you know you shouldn't be doing, but you have to. Round one, in my opinion, is too early to round one race two is too early to get in that situation. And certainly round one race one is too early to get in that situation. With all that we've learned and seen throughout the regular season and then add to Darlington and Eric Jones, a non-playoff driver, putting the 43 back in victory lane. Burton, should we expect some non-playoff drivers to upset the apple cart as we progress to the championship finale? Might we see some different winners that aren't on the preferred list, the playoff list, before we get to Phoenix? We have a better opportunity for that than we, than we normally have. Um, there was a year that Tony Stewart didn't make the playoffs. Uh, the field was a little shorter, and we all knew, uh, and I was in the playoffs, we all knew that that guy was going to be, we're going to have to deal with him. Um, but I believe in the industry, by the way, a lot of people, you know, crew chiefs that, that I speak to during the week um, in our production meeting on Sunday morning, I made that comment. I said, Hey, we need to be prepared that we're going to have more non-playoff drivers affecting the playoffs than ever before. I didn't come up with that theory that came from the crew chiefs and came from the garage and came from drivers. That was their opinion. And, and, and uh, I believe it to be true. I, I, and we saw it race one, Martin Truex Jr. He, you know, going into, he may have had that race one, like he had a car fast enough to win. Michael McDowell, we see him up there all the time. He's running top 10. So there's some, yeah, there's some options. And then also remember, you got the Roval, you got Talladega, you've got Homestead, which is an exceptionally unique racetrack, unlike it's not like anything else that we go to. There's some real wild card races. You got Bristol, you got Martinsville. Like there's some really wild, real, real wild card races that anything can happen. And in 2022, I think we should come to expect that anything's done. You know, there was a moment a couple of weeks ago uh, in the pre-race for the event on NBC, and you were given the opportunity to take a sightless race fan a blind uh, young woman that just has an abiding passion for this sport and take her behind the scenes. And it just, it took my breath away, Jeff, when she was feeling the contours of the car, when she got in the car and they, they do say people that are minus one, one sense compensate by having super senses. Jeff Burton. It's so nice to nice meet, to meet you. you. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Oh my gosh. I'm be a lot of thrilled to be here. Do you want to come over here and check this thing out? Sure. Can I lead you? Yeah. Come on. The screen is different. It has square holes, 
This is that single lug nut that you keep hearing about. Much larger than I was expecting. Oh, really? Yeah. So this is the rear window. Okay, the rear window goes all the way to there. That's the beginning of the roof. Semi, semi rectangle, okay. but a little bit of rounding on the end. Yep, yep. If we're not careful, you're going to take my job because you're doing a lot better than I am. <laughs> All right, Kobe, here we go. I want you to walk me through this. I'm going to shut up and I'm going to let you talk. And everything you're feeling, smelling, hearing, I want to hear it, okay? You're going to take, you're going to take my job. You're the analyst. Okay. All right, here we go. So we're accelerating. The engine is getting much higher. We are on the front truck. We curve to the left. Went straight for a little bit. Now we're curving back to the left. My body is still angled to the right. You can really feel those G forces right now. And how grippy the car is on the track. We're decelerating into another turn. I'm going to turn this car off so we can hear each other. Okay. To me, what makes the best race car drivers is what they feel. Yeah. And so what you're feeling already, to me, is fascinating. <laughs> because you have a better sense of feel the first time you ever set a race car than most people ever will. You did awesome. That was, I don't know that there are words to describe that. That was, I will say, memorable. You're awesome. <laughs> Can I give you a hug? That was so much fun. We're the blessed ones for having you here. I mean, I'm serious. You could teach some young drivers some things about what they're feeling. You, you cannot be too detailed. Even if you just use one word that's different, you know, that can sometimes just make that light bulb go off for me. Well, Colby was, um, she's a very special person. And so when, when they, when, when that thing starts and I, I walk up to Colby, that was truly the first time we ever met. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, I don't exactly know how to handle myself. Right. And, and I don't know what to expect. Uh, you know, I've never been around someone that, that can't see, and I don't know what's appropriate and what's not. And I asked her, I said, can I take you over? And I, and she said, yes. And she like gave herself to me full trust. And right then I said, this is a unique, I immediately knew this was a unique person. And she and her, her attitude is infectious in a great way. And when, when uh, I'll tell you this, when I got done, you know how a TV compound is. It's a bunch of guys, that hardworking people, work a bunch of hours. You know, it's every kind of demographic you can imagine all come together to make that TV work. When I walked back into that, I literally had grown men walking up to me with tears in their eyes because of her and what she allowed to happen. And, the, and her passion was crazy. And her attitude was, it was just, a, it was a, and I don't even, you know, I can't put my finger on it. Like, what was it that was so special? And it damn sure it didn't have anything to do with me. It was her. And everyone she spoke to, everyone she touched, everyone that she had a conversation with left her with this incredible feeling of, it's amazing. And, and I think that came through, like on the, you know, on the piece that we did, it came through. And, and um, 
she's just a special person. And, and it was an awesome experience. It was, uh, you know, Jack, I've been lucky. I've done a lot of cool things uh, in my life. And that's one of them. That is certainly one of them. And uh, I'm, I'm glad I got the opportunity to do it. You know what she said to me, and I, you'll appreciate this because of, um, you know, what you've done for the sport and how you've communicated to fans for a long time. Is she, she said to me, she, and I, I can't remember if this was, we aired this or not. I can't remember if it was a private conversation after we did the ride. I just don't remember. But she said, I had some advice. And I said, what's that? She said, every now and then you guys need to use a different word. And I went, you know, and I'm, and I was inquisitive about that. And she explained to me that when you, when we use a different word, it means that it's something unique happening. It's something that calls attention, a different type of attention, a different level of goodness, badness of whatever, just a word. And it really made me think about how we communicate to the fans and, you know, we just talk, right. But trying to insert a different word to express something um, coming from her meant something. My mom told me that when I was five. <laughs> you don't listen to mom. But when she told me that, I was like, wow. And, and it, that, was, that was some pretty cool advice from someone that is listening to everything we say. She is listening to everything. And, you know, in my eyes, with television, we, we're able to show you what's happening. It's our job to explain why it's happening. Radio has to do the opposite. Radio has to tell you what's happening, not necessarily explain to you why. It's two, diff two completely different jobs, in my opinion. And, and uh, she made me aware that even though that's my opinion, that my words and the word I use is really important. It was pretty impactful. Uh, indeed. And listen, we appreciate you taking some busy time before you uh, haul off to a round two. And God only knows what's going to happen. And uh, we're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. But uh, good luck the rest of the playoffs. And uh, it, it's always fun to visit with you, my friend, because you have such a great, fresh and and really uh, a candid uh, perspective on the sport that both of us love passionately. Well, thank you, buddy. I always enjoy, enjoy joining you, man. You've got, uh, you have such an impact on the sport. It's, uh, it's, it's fun to see what you do, your energy and excitement. And we're blessed, man. We get to do what we get to, we get to do. We don't get to drive them or whatever, but we, we get to talk about them and be part of it. And it's a, it's a damn blessing. There's no question. Coming up after the break. Car lovers, at Advance Auto Parts, we have what you need to keep your car running all season long. 
So if you enjoy getting ahead of the curve when it comes to taking care of your ride, Advance Auto Parts has everything to keep your ride on track to reach the victory lap. Because you can trust the team at Advance Auto Parts to assist you in finding what you need at the right price. Stop by Advance Auto Parts, where you're always number one. This is how we advance. Welcome back to your podcast home for motorsports conversation, Jackaroot's Wind Tunnel. Scott McLaughlin, in his second year of competition, wins right out of the box, then comes back at Mid-Ohio to celebrate the 4th of July and has inserted himself right into the title chase. Scotty, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? Yeah, good, Jack. How are you? Well, I'm doing not quite as well as you. I mean, you all of a sudden make your sophomore season. Now, no sophomore slump for you. What was the difference right from the get-go for you in year two? Because at St. Pete, you unloaded off the trailer and just totally dominated, and you haven't stopped. Yeah, look, the St. Pete was uh, slightly unexpected, absolutely. I think um, we definitely exceeded expectations, but after that, it really changed our expectations. So, you know, we um, really have worked together well. My my my, uh, my new engineer and Ben Bretzman, who you know obviously pretty well, and he's a, he's a, a great guy and someone I've really enjoyed working with. And um, I think we've just pushed each other to no end. We've got a great team. We've got great pit stops, great strategy. Um, within Kyle Moyer, who's a absolute legend of the sport himself, and um, yeah, we just worked together really well, and it's clicked. And I think you know Penske going back to three cars and a few things, you know, changing a few focuses. Um, on a few other you know areas for the team, um, also has been pivotal, and I think uh, you know everyone's done a really good job um, with the speed of the cars. That's made things easier, but it's been, you know, it has been a, a whirlwind season. But I'm very thankful for the success we've had, and you know, to even be in the title chase is a great thing. Um, we're we're a long shot, but you know, we'll just keep working hard, and you know, anything can happen. Obviously, hey, a long shot has won the Kentucky Derby. A long shot has won the Triple Crown. So don't count yourself out. When did the confidence come to Scott McLaughlin in an Indy car? Because look, uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You struggled last season and it wasn't based on your performance. It was based upon you measuring yourself as an Indy car driver. Yeah, look, absolutely. It was, um, I put a lot of pressure on myself almost too much. And that was probably a detriment to me last season. Um, it wasn't until I sort of maybe around Nashville last year where I sort of really, you know, become one with the car and believed in myself a little bit more and was less hard on myself and just enjoyed the ride a little bit more. And you know, Roger was a big help with that. And he sort of sat me down and calmed me down a little bit. And that's been, you know, that's, that, that's been really nice. And, and um, having the backing of, you know, obviously a legend icon of the sport is, is, is very special. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, around Nashville last year, I started feeling, you know, you know, what it felt like to be an IndyCar driver. And you know, I had confidence, you know, throughout that last season, although our, our uh, you know results weren't amazing towards the end of the year. They were solid, and um, we had pace. and And I think we just you know knew that coming into the season that we were going to be there or thereabouts. But like I said, having the success that we had straight off the bat was a little surprising. But it set precedence, and we just you know we've come out swinging every race since. And I felt like we've had a car to win nearly every race, and and that that's very hard to do in IndyCar, but it's very special and hopefully leads on to good things you know next year, and we can put a proper run you know through with what we've learned this year. Yeah, and your biggest competition is coming from your teammate and and from from your bro, Joseph Newgarden. I mean, first of all, at Texas, he says not 
not on my watch and beats you in the last hundred yards. And then uh, the, most recently at Worldwide Technology. So what is it like to have your best friend beaten on you? Yeah, he's like we're, we are very close, me and Joseph, but we also, you know, we, we want to rip each other's head off just, just as much, you know, like we're, we're very competitive, but, um, you know, look, he's, he is an absolute, he's a star on an oval. He's a star in any car, but, you know, on the ovals, he's tremendous. And, um, you know, to learn off someone, he's been an open book to me, um, which is, you know, I think made us closer as well because, you know, he doesn't need to do that, but he certainly gives me a hand and, and helps me out. But obviously he keeps a few things to himself, but, you know, he's pushing me to no end and I feel like I'm pushing him as well. It's making, it's making him better. And then along with Will as well, you know, I think we 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 form a pretty good team. Um, so it's uh, it's been enjoyable. Yeah, I've come off second best the last few times, but you know I'm learning every time I'm out there. I'm learning every time I'm racing with these guys at the front, and that's all I can ask. I I thought Joseph recently with Tony Kanana and myself on Brick by Brick paid you the ultimate compliment. He said, "In all my racing days," and I'm paraphrasing. He said, "I I have never liked." a teammate as much as I like Scott McLaughlin. That puts a little pressure on you. Yeah. It does. I mean, maybe I'm too nice, but no, I think, I, I think the way that, you know, we just get, we get along off the track, like easy. Um, we're very similar and, and, and what we like, what we don't like, whatever. But, you know, I think at the same time, there's a level of respect there and what we've done and what we've achieved. And, and there's no like, uh, there's no for me there's no um you know, animosity because i think we don't we don't try and stab each other in the back because we know what each other's capable of we know that any given day either of us can win a race you know we've got great cars it's just about who does the job on the day and you know i think uh we appreciate that competitiveness because we know that if we beat each other like we're doing a pretty good job i know if i'm beating joseph i'm going to be there they're about to the front and he knows the same for me now which is really cool and I think it's just pushed each other and we've enjoyed that. There's going to be times where we blow up with each other or whatever. And it's happened before, you know, we have had a, a you know, couple of words or whatever, but nothing crazy, but it's, it's a professional relationship. It's a working relationship. And I think it's hopefully going to push, you know, Tim Penske to new heights. If my listeners have not as of yet sampled your YouTube channel, bus bros is a hit and absolutely the, the most entertaining thing, especially uh, the mid Ohio episode fireworks and costumes, you know, maybe that, maybe that's the key, but how did bus bros come apart, come about? Uh, look, it was just something that, you know, we just, yeah, we get along off the track and we're like, well, maybe we should just broadcast Cause some of the stuff we talked about. It was like kind of funny and everyone was laughing in the debrief room and whatever. And we're like, well, why don't we just make a TV show about it or a semi TV show about it? Well, like, okay, we'll just see what we do and we'll put it out and see if people liked it. And, Lo and behold, the first few episodes, you know, people loved it. I want more. They wanted, you know, it was enjoyable. And we, we just do it as fun. You know, it's not a pressure thing. You know, if we don't get around to doing it, like we don't do it. It's just a, it's a thing that we do for fun. And, and um, yeah, it's a good little release. And I, I think it's uh, for us both, it's been, you know, almost beneficial. We're learning about how to produce shows. We're learning how to do things off the track outside of the racing. And, you know, I think people are getting to know who we are too, which is really cool. Oh, great. Next thing you're going to be talking in the debriefs about green screens and lighting. And, uh, you know, why don't you stick to steering, st steering graph? Yeah, look, I, hopefully I'm stick. Hopefully I'm sticking to steering for a, little, a lot longer than I need to. Uh, it'll be fine. <laughs> hey, you know, this summer was a special treat for you. 
Um, the pandemic certainly set sail for you uh, without your immediate support group. Your mom and dad finally got to come and spend a great deal of time with you as a bus bro annex as they traveled across the United States and got to see their son win some races and establish himself as an IndyCar star. What did that mean to you? But more importantly, what do you think it meant to them? Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Just to, I think for them just to understand like what I, you know, what I go through over here and how different it is to the racing down under. Um, that was just awesome for them to see that firsthand, how strategies can change in an instant, how the racing is so tight. Um, for them to see that outside of the TV, you know, TV, uh, you know, work, it, it was, you know, it was a big thing. And uh, then, yeah, just to win and, you know, we won, you know, won once, I got a pole and a podium, you know, and that basically checked off every list. So, you know, that was really cool. And they got to see me in the, in the Indy 500. Um, so it was, uh, it was wild. My dad was, battles a little bit with anxiety and and um you know the indy 500 for him there's a lot of people and and you know it, it was quite quite a, a scene for him um but he really enjoyed it and um yeah mum as well and i was so proud like you know that race in front of them and and you know show them my life here in america because we talk about it on facetime we talk about bits and pieces oh we're just gonna go to the supermarket well they know where that is now you know they know where we go and get our food or you know we know where our life is and that that's really cool all right. I, I need to know. So your mom and dad are at mid Ohio. You're uh, filming bus bros with, uh, with, with Jay new, and he convinces you to dress up as an American Eagle in a costume. It's one thing to startle the infield uh, fans with that getup. But when you ran into your mom and dad dressed up like an Eagle, what in God's name did they say to you? To be honest, like they didn't see me in that eagle costume, thankfully, because yeah, my dad would have been like, "What's going on here?" Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I, don't, I don't really, you know, he, he, uh, he loves. Oh, he doesn't love bus bros, but he's also like, okay, well, if you want to do that, you do that. <laughs> so um, it's pretty funny, but look, we, uh, you know, we have a pretty good relationship, and he knows who I am, and he's just happy that. You know, I'm I'm sort of finding my feet here in America, and people are starting to know who I am and enjoy who I am, and that that's really cool. Do, do you think people that that live here in the United States really can absorb what it is for someone like you to uproot your family, yourself, everything that you've grown up knowing, and and come here, and as you say now, get your feet in America? I I, I can't imagine what it must be like. And yet, you know, you see you, you see Grosjean, so many people that come here to chase their dream. And I think we pay little attention to what the sacrifices are. Yeah, look, uh, um, you know, I count myself very lucky that I've had this opportunity. Um, but at, there's been at times it was hard, you know, and not being able to see mom and dad and stuff was difficult. But there's a lot of people out there that, you know, they're they're going through harder things than I am. And I'm just grateful that I'm able to you know, compete at the highest level here in America. And, and, and that's, you know, I enjoy that a lot, but you know, there's definitely been, you know, sacrifices, I guess, you know, not being, I haven't been to New Zealand in sort of four years and haven't seen my grandma for four years. And, you know, she's not getting any younger and, and I can't wait to get back home and see her at Christmas. But like I said, there's many other people out there in the world that are going through harder things, but there's definitely been, you know, 
at times where it's like far out, like, like especially last year where, you know, why am I doing this? Like I had a really good spot in Australia, you know, I was in the top team, top car, you know, getting paid really good money, but, you know, and had everything at my feet. But for me, it was a challenge to come here. It was a, a want to challenge myself, extend myself. And, um, you know, I'm really appreciative that, you know, Roger gave me this opportunity um, because honestly, I just, I, that's the sort of person I am. I just like, going out and trying new things and extending myself and extending my repertoire. And that's, um, you know, that's what I've been internally grateful for. Well, it's been a real treat to watch you push the edge. It's been a real treat to see you, you know, uh, get absorbed here into the American culture. And uh, I appreciate you spending a little time with us here on Wind Tunnel. And I'll be honest, I'm looking forward to the next Wild and Wacky Bus Pros in and around Portland. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, uh, yeah, we'll be welcome any viewer, any time. We'll take what we can get. So I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> That's Scott McLaughlin. We'll continue here on Wind Tunnel after you listen to these messages. Coming your way after the break, you'll meet a NASCAR short track hero when we bring you this week's Advance Auto Parts Victory Lap. And that victory lap goes to an individual who has saved countless lives. You'll meet former Xfinity champion Randy LaJoy and hear his story after the break. Hey, car lovers. At Advance Auto Parts, we have what you need to keep your car running all season long. So if you enjoy getting ahead of the curve when it comes to taking care of your ride, Advance Auto Parts has everything to keep your ride on track to reach the victory lap. Because you can trust the team at Advance Auto Parts to assist you in finding what you need at the right price. Stop by Advance Auto Parts, where you're always number one. This is how we advance. Man, this is for all those guys. Uh, there's a ton of them out there that, that are like me, that have won here and all these great short tracks around here. We can do it. We just need the opportunities. Today proved it. Yeah, it's a short track, but it's still damn hard to win here, and we did it. They are hometown heroes, drivers who put their passion on the line in front of their friends. Here we go. Three wide. Got Sellers up in the marble. Halfway home in this one. Off turn four. He heads for the checkered flag. Here comes Riggs. Riggs is back at it on the inside. Jennerstown was pretty big on Saturday, but it was all to get him ready for this moment. The battle at Berlin 250. He's talked about what it would mean to him to win a huge race like this at his home track. And now he's half a lap away from doing just that. Buckle up and hold on tight. Time now to focus the spotlight on hometown heroes with this week's Advance Auto Parts Victory Lap. Brought to you by the NASCAR Advance Auto Parts Weekly Racing Series. Driving local racing in local communities forward. On the last lap in the final turn of the 2001 Daytona 500, NASCAR was brought to its knees when Dale Earnhardt Sr., a seven-time champion, met his untimely demise and died as a result of what looked seemingly to be an uneventful accident. But that turned out not to be the case. But it also adjusted and refocused everyone's dedication to something that maybe we all took for granted, and that was safety. And my next guest lived through that, raced when safety really wasn't a priority and then set about a career after getting out of the race car to make damn sure 
that the next generation and the generation after that had an eye towards safety. He is really the impetus behind a lot of the seats that we now see used, not only at the cup level and the Xfinity level, but also across the length and breadth of the United States in short track racing. He's Randy LaJoy, a two-time Xfinity champion, and he joins me now. Randy, I, I think I captured it all, did I not? Well, you know, being a crash test dummy, you didn't say I was that. But we have learned a lot. And, you know, Dale Earnhardt, as good as the race car driver was, he was, I think his legacy is how many lives he saved. Uh, I mean, because we, we had a not a good run for about four or five years before him. And we started in the modifieds, you know, and then they, they fixed that, you know, by making the car softer. So, you know, that, that was a basal neck injury. Uh, and, you know, they, we weren't smart enough to realize that y your head can separate from your shoulders. So we had to hold it on because, I mean, crashing – Race is kind of dangerous, <laughs> and uh, uh, it's amazing. You know, I took my dad. We were up at Stafford last year for the SRX race, and he got up there early, and we, we run around, and I, I parked over in turn three, and I said, Pop, remember this? Because he launched it out of there in the 76 Sizzler, and Bob Johnson's 17 car. He went, Charlie J blew a motor, and he, he went out of the ballpark at Stafford, and uh, he goes, yeah, the trees were a lot smaller. But uh, you look at those cars, I enjoy going to museums and, and just looking inside the cars because those guys are some tough sons of bitches that drove those cars because they didn't go a lot faster, slower than we are or, or that I did or my kid is going today. They're, they're damn near going the same speed. But their safety systems, oh, my goodness. Well, it, it's uh, it's amazing how far they've come. But. The short track level, you know, was still hurting too many short track guys. Uh, I do believe it's not the industry's fault because I think uh, you just can't blame the racetracks. Your family's racetrack up there, if you don't have containment, you don't compete. If you don't wear a head and neck restraint, you don't compete. Uh, and that's the way it should be. Uh, and I think we need more racetracks to say, hey, we don't want you to come here because racing is, is very similar to playing Russian roulette. And, man, that's a scary game with all the bullets in the chamber. You know, racing, if you take a good seat, you take a bullet out. You take a head and neck restraint, take a bullet out. You take the seat belts, take a bullet out. Fire suit. I mean, I'm not quite sure how many people wouldn't have played Russian roulette with no bullets. You know, and, but that's very similar. I mean, that's what we do. I mean, it, it's always going to be dangerous. But, boy, oh, boy, I mean, there's enough information out there today that that should keep us from going to work on Monday. And Randy, a lot of that information as it applies to seat technology and seat containment, uh, it was an uphill battle for you. I remember when you crisscrossed the country with a little trailer in the back and, uh, and this was even before you really had computerized video and you would post video on a VCR that you got in car camera that showed the seats that were being used we're doing nothing to contain the driver. How did you come up with the concept of containing from the shoulder area the way that now we're all so very used to? I, I went to a trade show with my dad in Hartford and my brother and Mark Donnie, who was there, 1971. Uh, and he had his Penske Camaro Trans Am that he just won the Trans Am championship with. 
and he had this seat in the car. And my dad says, I would like to sit in it. And my dad sat in it. And Mark says, I build them. I'll build you one. I build them for myself. I'll sell you one. So Mark sold my dad this seat. Uh, he tried putting it in his modified. It was a lot bigger, you know, because Mark with the Trans Am car, went all the way down to his knees. So my dad cut it up, got the thing to fit, cut the headrest off, but used the seat bucket for his hips and his shoulders. Uh, he just cut the headrest off. He just didn't have a whole lot of use for that. <laughs> you see why he can't turn his neck now. But uh, so he bought it for Mark. Uh, once I started racing, he goes, use that seat. Okay. Once I started doing good and guys want you to drive their race car, I mean, why wouldn't you? And from going from that style seat that held me by my shoulders to going to a rib style seat that everybody else had with no shoulder support, it was very uncomfortable because I had to work in holding myself in the vehicle because my shoulders weren't, uh, I didn't have nothing to lean on. So I had to hold myself in the car. And I was like, wow, these guys are a lot tougher than I am. I said, I kind of like that old bucket seat. And uh, so that's what I would use as much as I could. Uh, NASCAR 94, 1994, they came into the shop uh, and they said, listen, no more fiberglass seats. And I said, okay. I said, so I'm going to have to have this thing molded because it's round. It fit my body. It fit my shoulders. And I said, okay. So I, I brought it to Brian Butler. He says, you know, that thing's a piece of crap. I'll build you a custom seat. You know, I've been racing for 15 years, won four championships. Uh, you know, it's not a piece of crap. Mark Donnie, you kind of invented this thing in 71. You know, I was like, okay. And I've driven in his custom seats, and they didn't fit me all that well. So I said, okay. I took the seat, and I left. Uh, Steve Richardson, we, we built one behind his house in a garage he was working out of. He just started his seats. So we, we worked on it for probably two months <laughs> and uh, I, we finally got it done. I used it. I was like, wow, it, it needs some work. Still needed some work. He goes, Randy, I don't want to mess with it. That's too hard. He goes, I, I don't want to mess with that. So, okay. So that was on the back burner. Uh, met a guy that uh, right down the road from the racetrack is at Carpenters. Uh, they do a lot of uh, stampings and retro work for Ford. And a guy that worked there, said his buddy in Ohio does crazy little stampings like that. And he's a race fan. And he would call him up, talk to him. He's a race fan. He knew who I was. He had his Porsche that he does a lot of club racing with, with a Mark Donahue seat. So he knew exactly what it was. The man and his buddies just went to Kentucky Speedway that weekend and they were there to do a Richie Petty driving experience, four or five of them. And they couldn't believe how uncomfortable the cars were with just those old rib-protected seats. And, okay, they got they ended up being black and blue and this and that. And they're like, man, my seat in my Porsche, you know, track car is a whole lot nicer than this one. So I sent them to pitch. I sent them a seat, had it marked on there where I thought if I cut it and sliced it, Mark was a 180-pound guy at the time. You know, I could downsize it or I can make it bigger. Uh, well, about six months later, I get aluminum and a sizing fixture. And he says, is that going to work? And I was like, oh, my goodness. I said, uh, this thing's awesome. Okay, now what? Now, now, okay, now I'm, 
Now I got to hold them together and weld them. And it's been a uphill battle ever since. And look, the, the technology, while it's very, the, the, the LaJoy seats are still very, very prevalent. Uh, in fact, the SRX series, uh, they did a, a wonderful feature on the seats as they're part of that. You've got short track racers as reluctant as they were that now see that the performance goes up. And we go then to where NASCAR has gone with carbon fiber and form fitted seats. And from your from your perspective, is that where we are all eventually going to end up? with space age material and form fitted seats when the price point comes down, because I would think that's the one thing that's holding an awful lot of people back right now is the, you know, the upper level seats are so out of reach for the Saturday night racer. Absolutely. Uh, I, in 94, I wanted to try carbon fiber uh, because I was going to have to have some kind of investment. It either was going to be into forming aluminum or it could have been, you know, forming carbon fiber. Uh, and they said that would never happen. So, okay. So I went the route of forming aluminum and which wasn't easy. Uh, I don't think aluminum seats are ever going to go away just because we passed the same tests. You know, if there was a test that we couldn't pass, then I would say that seat's better than ours. Uh, one of the things in the years I've seen a lot of testing, a lot of video, is a lot of dummies didn't make it. A lot of dummies had. But a couple of dummies that didn't make it were, were in a carbon seat. And I said, why did that seat explode? And they said, well, I had a crack in it. Okay. I mean, you cannot see a crack? No, we can't see that. How do you check for cracks then in a seat? He said, well, we tap on it. You know, we take it and we just tap on it. And if it's a dead spot, you know, we got to we throw it away. Uh, that's a little bit different because it, it the, the memory is there. So that 18-inch seat still an 18-inch seat until it gets pressure on it and then it breaks. So the inspection process of aluminum seat, if it's bent, you straighten it and you stiffen it. If it's cracked, you weld it. There's not doing that, you know, to those carbon seats. And then they were on an average, you know, $1,500 more uh, per, per seat. Uh, but if they do come in, I mean, I, I don't mind. I almost got in bed with a guy about five years ago to build one. Uh, but they need, we, the industry needs to be stricter on a new style seat, you know, because his, his complaint was, well, the aluminum seats aren't this good. Won't meet that spec. I said, yes, they will. You know, there's a spec, there's a short track spec out there uh, that the dirt late models use now. Some of these guys are starting to fiddle around with, which everybody should. I think it'd be easier to inspect. You know, it's okay. That's a 39.2 seat, you know, because there's, there's seats out there that they have SFI headrest foam padding stickers. Well, that's an SFI seat because the headrest. No, 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 no. Padding. The padding is, you know. But I mean, if it's a rated seat, I'm all for. I've been pushing for rated seats forever. Uh, I just had a meeting today with a couple engineers up at Longhorn about coming out with common mounts for these dirt lake models and the modifieds uh, because there's some seat mounting issues I'm working with. A guy we're doing a lot of tests. It's called CASM, C-A-S-M. Uh, it's a nice mount for sprint cars. I said if 
if somebody has a sprint car and they don't put this seat mount system in the car, they're just dumb because I think it'll eliminate a lot of the problems that have been in sprint car racing when the cars drop. Uh, the dirt late models seen it last week. GR Smith bicycled really hard, landed left side. He wrapped the bottom of the seat around the bottom of the car. I broke a T11, T12. Uh, I mean, how do you fix that? I mean, that wasn't a car problem. That wasn't a seat problem. It was just a crash problem. So, okay, this system, this chasm system is going to fix that. You know, we see a lot of these guys bicycle up. I mean, there's so much grip in these cars now. It's crazy how, how these things are bicycling up, whether it's a modified dirt late model. I mean, uh, uh, so we got to keep them on the ground. And But if they do hit the ground, the system seems to be giving the driver a shock absorber for his back. It takes out 70% of the spine loads uh, with all the testing that he's done. So I, I'm a fan for, I'm a fan of it. Well, we certainly are a fan of the dedication that you've had. And most importantly, because unlike so many safety measures that were, you know, costly and almost prohibitive for, for short trackers, even the safer barrier system, you know, so many places you would think we could finally get to the point where all racetracks could afford it, but that's a topic for another day. You've dedicated your life and your, your, your business life to making your, well, where you came from much, much safer. And, uh, you're to be congratulated with, for that. And I guess if you have to hit your head as many times as you had to, to, uh, be able to at least wake up and say, I can give back to the sport then I don't feel bad that you had so many crashes, my friend, because you have saved a lot of lives at short tracks across America. Forget the super speedways. We all know the stories there, but just the Friday, Saturday and Sunday night racers and hey, little kids racing in quarter midgets and everything else. We start them early. Randy, you're a true hall of famer. And uh, I appreciate your visiting with us here on wind tunnel. Hey, thank you, Jack. Anytime. I, I love the safety aspect. There should be no secrets in safety. Racers always wouldn't tell you what setup they had because they didn't want you to go faster than them. And that's how I have to change my thinking because that used to be me. Uh, safety stuff is speed, but you got to have it. And it's just not one. It's the whole darn system. You've been listening to the Advanced Auto Parts Victory Lap, brought to you by the NASCAR Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Racing Series driving local racing in local communities forward. Hey, car lovers. At Advance Auto Parts, we have what you need to keep your car running all season long. So if you enjoy getting ahead of the curve when it comes to taking care of your ride, Advance Auto Parts has everything to keep your ride on track to reach the victory lap. Because you can trust the team at Advance Auto Parts to assist you in finding what you need at the right price. Stop by Advance Auto Parts, where you're always number one. This is how we advance. I hope you enjoyed this week's conversations and appreciate the time given by my guests, Scott McLaughlin from Team Fenske, Jeff Burton of NBC Sports, and Randy LaJoy from The Joy of Seating. Be sure to check in next week when I'll be bringing you a special Wind Tunnel edition celebrating the MTT IndyCar Series champion, as well as the champion from Indy Lights. That's all coming your way next week, right here on Wind Tunnel. Join me, won't you?
You've been listening to Jackaroot's Wind Tunnel. Wind Tunnel is brought to you by Advance Auto Parts, the official auto parts retailer of NASCAR. Follow us on our social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And be sure to subscribe to Wind Tunnel's YouTube channel where you'll discover bonus content. I'm Lenny Baticki of Performance Racing Networks at the Track Show saying thank you for joining us today. See you again next week.